Well, good morning then. At 7.43, with uh, Venezuela threatening regional security, why couldn't the US just simply invade the troubled country? That was a question apparently put forward by President Donald Trump to top aides at an Oval Office meeting last August, according to the Associated Press. Those in attendance included then-Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and ex-National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster. One wonders what the answer would have been with, say, John Bolton in the room or Mike Pompeo in the room. Let's bring in Mike, sorry, Mark Firestein, former White House Special Assistant to President Barack Obama, Senior Advisor with Albright Stonebridge Group's Latin America practice. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Can, can you first of all um, establish for us how certain this report even is, how, how seriously we can take it? Oh, it's accurate. <laughs> um, and I've heard the same from... Uh, from senior administration officials that that meeting took place, and I think that the, and the AP account is consistent with what I've heard. But I think we need to put this in context. The United States will not be invading Venezuela. <laughs> uh, it is not an option on the table. You may recall that uh, Donald Trump made a public uh, comment to this effect, that all options are being considered, including a military one. That, in fact, took place a day after this meeting in, in the White House. Uh, after he was told by his advisors that this idea was not uh, feasible. Uh, but, of course, as we know, uh, Donald Trump likes to defy his advisors. Uh, but there's no planning going on. I think the administration officials, I know administration officials, know that's not a, not a serious uh, idea. And they are pursuing a number of ways uh, to try to promote a peaceful transition to democracy and try to help to Venezuelans to revive their economy and, and live in peace again. Um, and working with working with neighbors through diplomatic initiatives, and they've also the United States has also imposed economic sanctions and imposed sanctions on individual uh, officials within Venezuela. Uh, but a military option is really not being considered. How, how does it reflect President Trump's view towards Venezuela, though, as a priority, and and perhaps well, his lack of respect yeah. for military defense there? Well, I mean, it is Venezuela is one of his highest priorities, and in fact, uh, officials had been told that it was one of his top three foreign policy priorities for whatever reason, and, and it and it should be a priority. I mean, when I was in the White House working for President Obama, it was one of his top priorities, and it was a, it was great concern to us, and it is the greatest challenge now in in the Americas. I mean, we're talking about a country with the highest inflation rate in the world, the deepest economic contraction, shortages of food and medicine. It's really just a man-made problem, and it's the president of uh, Venezuela uh, that has uh, driven the country to this to this point. So it, it deserves the, uh, attention. And to be honest, I think the administration has mostly uh, pursued a wise policy, as I noted, you know, working with neighbors in, in, in the region, uh, working with the European Union, working with uh, Canada and other countries to try to diplomatically isolate uh, Venezuela, to put pressure on officials there. Uh, to lead to some sort of a transition. Now, to be honest, so far that policy has has failed, um, but I think it is the it is the right approach. Well, President Trump reportedly pointed to what he considered past cases of successful gunboat diplomacy, invasions of Panama and Grenada in the 1980s, for example. Can, can you put that into perspective for us? Sure. Now, of course, uh, Donald Trump is not a student of history, uh, as we know. The, Grenada, the operation in Grenada took place in 1983. Uh, that was an invasion of a very small island in the Caribbean. 
that's an island of some you know, 90,000 people. Uh, at the time, there was concern about Soviet and Cuban involvement. Uh, there was also supposedly a threat uh, to the, the security of uh, American medical students there, and the United States invaded. And again, it was a very easy operation, uh, given, given the size of the island and, and given the, the weakness of the Canadian military. And then, of course, in Panama in 1989, the United States removed uh, General Noriega, uh, who was accused of drug trafficking. And again, there was also a threat to U.S. citizens there. And that was a relatively easy operation as well. But again, that's a country with, that the United States knew well, where uh, we had um, military bases in the past. And again, a very small country uh, that did not have a military, basically had just a, a defense force, more of a national guard. The situation in Venezuela is very different. We're talking about a, a country of scores uh, that is heavily armed. Uh, they have a, a, you know, a military force that has been uh, supplied and trained uh, by the Soviets and uh, by the Russians, I'm sorry, and, and other countries. Um, and uh, that the, the, the people themselves have been armed, the, what they call colectivos. Uh, these are basically supporters of the, of the government. So it would be a very different kind of operation. Uh, that said, I think people in Venezuela are so desperate and so frustrated by the situation there that you'd have a fair, uh, fairly high percentage of Venezuelans that would welcome a U.S. invasion uh, or an invasion by, uh, by, the mil- by militaries in, 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 uh, in the region. Again, that's not going to happen. Uh, but I think you know there are there are people in Venezuela who are are, are so concerned with the situation there, and feel powerless uh, to change their own to, to change their government, uh, that they would welcome a situation in which you know foreign military came in, deposed uh, President Nicolas Maduro, uh, and somehow installed a temporary government, uh, in, in, uh, and then uh, called for new elections. Again, not a scenario that's going to happen, but I think it's one that a lot of people would hope for. When we say it's not going to happen, H.R. McMaster and Rex Tillerson, who are apparently at that meeting last August, they no longer have President Trump's ear. John Bolton and Mike Pompeo would be the uh, the equivalents in those offices now. Who who at the highest levels of government in the U.S. would be talking Trump down if he were to make the same suggestion this August? It's a smart question. <laughs> um, and obviously Bolton and Pompeo are very different than... Uh uh, than, than Tillerson and, and McMaster. Uh, that said, I think they would even understand uh, that you know that there's not always a military solution to challenges uh, like this, and there's obviously an appropriate use for the U.S. military. But I think the prevailing view in the administration is like if Venezuelan people are not prepared to take to the streets, uh, they were not going to shed the blood uh, of American men and women and do it. And uh, now, when I say that, I don't want to. It is understandable why Venezuelans themselves are fearful of taking them to the streets. Uh, the Venezuelan security forces have fired on uh, people, uh, fired on protesters. They have uh, detained and imprisoned uh, protesters. People have been tortured. Um, and again, as I noted before, they're, they're, they're hungry. Uh, they spend their days looking for food and medicine and trying to take care of their families. Many people are leaving the country. Um, but that said, I don't think, you know, absent a, a genuine threat, to the U.S. national security, and, and you know, that goes beyond the humanitarian crisis that currently exists in Venezuela. I don't think that we'll see any sort of, a, any sort of military action. Well, just as a side-by-side comparison, of course, in this part of the world, we've, we've heard all about a, an apparent threat to U.S. security coming from North Korea, making the kind of threats and, and weapon development that uh, would, would escalate things considerably. 
when when President Trump said exactly the same things, like military options are on the table, can we also presume that he was saying behind the scenes with his uh, advisors that that the US should go ahead and attack North Korea, or is is that just a, a leap too far in speculation? Well, I, mean, I think there are a number of issues that we've seen this over and over again, where Donald Trump tweets <laughs> or he says something publicly, and the rest of the administration ignores it. <laughs> um, you know, we've seen that in particular with Secretary Mattis, uh, who is a you know, serious professional who understands the proper use of the military, uh, and he's been able to shape uh, U.S. policy and, and um, you know, carry out within the context of the instructions that Donald Trump provides, uh, you know, conduct himself in a responsible and, and serious way and, and, and prevent the United States from getting entangled uh, in, in conflicts that it should not be involved in. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, we, we mentioned, you mentioned Pompeo and, and, uh, and Bolton, but I think Mattis is obviously an important actor here, uh, as well. And I think he would be a restrained voice. And again, this, look, this was something that took place last year and we haven't heard anything, uh, you know, again, uh, about a military option. You know, it's something that Trump raised, uh, his advisors shot it down. He raised it with, uh, officials in the region, with presidents in the region, uh, at a follow-up meeting uh, at, at, at the, on the margins of the United Nations General Assembly, and all of them told him it would not be a wise thing to do. Exactly. So I mean, the, the Colombian officials apparently spoke to exactly. Associated Press and and confirmed exactly what you're saying, that um, even though Colombia has been a backer of U.S. attempts to isolate Venezuela under Maduro, there's no support from them for an actual invasion. But but the fact this report is out there so openly, does it does it actually change anything in the region? The fact that it's been reported openly? Yeah, the Look, fact that, I, 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 I mean, because yeah. behind the scenes, perhaps, these leaders and officials would have been aware of President Trump's intentions, but the fact that this is now out there with the AP and uh, general public consumption and, and it might raise hopes among some Venezuelans or concerns among others... Uh, is that a problem? You know, it's a, it's a good question. Look, I, I think that, you know, Donald Trump says so many crazy things, <laughs> and I think the world has sort of learned to ignore them, and whether it's with regard to NATO or trade agreements or, or other issues. And I think and my, my concern at the time was that it was going to damage diplomatic efforts in the region uh, that turned out, turned out not to be the case. People are so overly concerned about uh, what's going on in Venezuela that the region continued uh, to mount their diplomatic efforts and sort of moved on from that. And, you know, the, the, the Venezuelan government tried to make uh, hay out of it. Uh, you know, I don't think they were particularly successful. Um, but as I noted, I, I do think it was regrettable that it did seem to send a signal uh, that there was some sort of outside force that was going to come in and save the Venezuelan people. And that's just not the case. I, I think in order for there to be change in Venezuela, uh, three things will be required. And that's diplomatic isolation and, and, and economic sanctions or sanctions imposed on, on Venezuelan officials, um, U.S. Uh, efforts, uh, unilateral efforts uh, along the same vein, and then most important would be a mobilization protest by the Venezuelan people. It's the latter piece that's been missing uh, of late. And to the extent that uh, you know, people are now even more disinclined to take to the streets uh, because they think that there's some sort of option coming outside. I think that's, a, that's an unfortunate signal that was sent. But, but isn't there extreme fear within the country as well? Not only the, the, the 
brutality of of having to queue up for food for prices that have just gone well out of control but but also of course the the, the fear of a government response there Absolutely, absolutely, and I, 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 I don't mean to be critical of Venezuelan people at all. In fact, uh, and I, I admire the Venezuelan opposition. Uh, they're operating under extremely difficult circumstances. Now, as I noted, there's tremendous fear. Uh, people are afraid to protest because they're afraid to, that they're that they're putting their lives at risk, and you know they're spending their days trying to find food and medicine, and many are leaving the country. Um, and that explains, you know, why there hasn't been a greater mobilization uh, against against the uh, government. I think the government knows that. Um, and, you know, the government has been using food as a weapon, and they've used, you know, <laughs> real weapons against uh, against their people. Uh, so I think as long as, and I think, you know, that's why most people think, you know, at this point we're probably uh, looking at a fairly stable, and I use that in a very negative way, situation there, a fairly static situation uh, in which we may be, and the Venezuelan people may be stuck with the Maduro government uh, for, for, for a while now. Thank you so much, Mr. Feierstein. Good to have you with us on the line today. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.